Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. So I went into dating, like literally just imagine like a little birdie chick uh, thinking that he can fly like the eagle <laughs> and just jumping off that's the cliff. That's a funny analogy, yeah. I mean, that's really what it was like. Just like, <laughs> I got this. Like I got this. <laughs> Your little wings. Literally like, like a little immature this. chick, you know, that <laughs> thinks I'm going to glide and fly. And JJ. And this is a Friday mansode. Wait, it, who let you in here? Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the gate out? That was the most <laughs> feminine version. Babe, this is supposed to be, we drink gasoline in here. Okay. We talk about tanks. We Whoa. shoot shotguns. Ah, uh, okay, got it. We raw Your meat men. and steak. Yeah. You know? Except I know girls listen too. I know they're always sneaking in here. Yeah, you know. Well, to if you missed Wednesday's episode on Heart of Dating, we talked all about how I sabotaged my dating life. JJ interviewed me. So, we get to save JJ's uh, uh, interview until today, which is so exciting. Um, <laughs> hey to our YouTube fam. If you're watching this, what's up? You definitely want to be watching this cuz um I think the facial expressions and stuff like that are really worth it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I there was you're a few excited to get me on the hot seat. Uh, yeah, there was a few things in your notes. I was like, whoa, okay, wow, he's gonna say that. That sounds great. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about great, but yeah, I'm I'm going there. Yeah, hey, if you want to support this podcast a little bit more than just listening, come join us on Patreon. We have a lot of fun. We just hosted a Valentine's um, event with a live blind dating and all sorts of fun things, and. Um, and we have other perks, so just come join us over at patreon.com slash heartofdating. So JJ, will you explain the heart behind why you're revealing all of your dating mistakes today? Yeah, well, you know, my book, uh, thank you for accepting me. <laughs> I talk a lot about everything I did right. Oh my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I don't have a book. I kind of just appeared. Yeah, you did appear. On a heart of dating. And you guys really don't know, you know, what I did right. But more importantly, what I did wrong. Mm. And I think I just wanted to, I would love to join Kate, you know, who led so awesomely um, in every way that I did dating wrong. Because <sighs> I think two things happen. One, I think wisdom is the ability to learn lessons without experiencing the pain of the lesson. Mm -hmm. So learn the lesson through listening, right? Yeah. And then two, you guys understand when I say that I'm not qualified to be here and I've done nothing for this <laughs> to be the position, it magnifies Christ and Kate and me and it magnifies my flesh. Like there is a huge element to me 
being a part of Heart of Dating, where it's God, please be magnified and me be de-escalated because I have done a lot of wrong things mm. and stumbled into the position that I've been given. Yeah. And I did a lot of right things, um, but I I want to brag about where I failed and my weaknesses to magnify Jesus all the more in my story. Yeah. You know, and um, whether it be the shame of working through, you know, kind of confessing and talking through, you know, you can make these mistakes and God still can do something with your story and use you. Yeah, totally. You know, there's, there's no mistake too messy mm -hmm. in your dating life and your single life that can spoil what God has for you if you turn right to him, accept him, run towards him yeah, and uh, in repentance. So good. So just to back up as we dive in, your dating history is very different than mine to set the stage. If you guys don't know, um, I got married to JJ at 33. JJ was, is five and a half years younger than me. So just by that alone, there I've had more years of dating than you. But on top of that, you I was your first relationship, actual relationship. And meanwhile, I had multiple relationships and I have dated a lot in, in many ways, a lot more than JJ has not saying that was all the healthiest, but, um, you had more limited dating and specifically relationship experience, but you still had some, but it's interesting. Cause I think our stories tell two different, like there's two different people that could potentially relate to my past versus you and your past. Yeah. I love that. I think that's literally God's grace and story and countenance in this ministry. I yeah. love the fact that I can talk to someone who hasn't really dated, right? But that's still, just because I didn't date that much doesn't mean I, I didn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And just because you didn't date a lot doesn't mean you can't learn and grow in wisdom and actually be a really valuable partner for somebody. Like, yeah. I think that's something we hear a lot. So I want to start out with this question kind of pre your years of actual dating time. So you weren't allowed to date until you were 17. I started dating at the ripe age of like 13, 14. You weren't allowed to date until you were 17. And so that's really interesting. What were some of the ideas and things that you thought about or were taught about dating? Yeah, I, I like honestly, <laughs> as I think about it, it is so funny. It was, hey, you're not allowed to date till you're 17. And then we didn't talk about it. <laughs> so it was literally like, you know, imagine just kind of being like a, a prison, like a Disney prison. And then you're just released into the wild to like go date. That's really like. <laughs> that would kind of be like you getting like, yes, you have to like do stuff to get your driver's license. But it's like, so it'd be like not having to do anything. And then when you turn 16, just getting a license and driving on the road. Yeah, honestly. But not having to take any classes or learn about life totally. like you're driving. <laughs> I was I was so unprepared to go out mm. into the world of dating. And more importantly, I was so unprepared to handle the responsibility of dating. Yes. You know, like, because there is a ton of responsibility, especially as a man yeah. going out and dating. Yeah. So you didn't date, but... Were you interested in girls slash, I mean, obviously I know you're interested in girls, but like, were you kissing girls? Were like, what was going on behind the scenes? So maybe you didn't have a girlfriend, right? but like, were you in flirtationships? Yeah. I would say from ages like 17 to 24, I would almost boast and advertise the fact that 
I didn't date. You know, and there was almost like some self-righteousness and arrogance I don't mixed date. in there. <laughs> like, I don't date. I'm, I'm into football. <laughs> right. Football is life. <laughs> yeah. And then, and listen, I'm, this is like me giving you guys the as honest and bad, right, quote, bad side about how I was operating. I still really love God and my relationship with God was growing, but somehow that wasn't always overflowing into my single life and dating mm. life. Because here's the issue. If you're not dating and dating is off the table, well, unless you're a hundred percent in that committed, like I am celibate, I'm not looking at women, I'm not touching women, I'm not flirting them, then you're gonna end up being really unprepared, really undisciplined, and not really have any kind of plan for when you do meet a girl right. and you do kind of start flirting and you do kind of start getting a little physical and a little intimate. Right. Right. So I I was really contradicting myself. Were you and not helping myself? Were you the flirty guy? Yeah, I think I was a <laughs> lot of times. I, um, man, I think I just remember at an early age, like 15, 16 years old. Um, and when I tell these stories, I think people are, and I'm quick to write off someone who talks about a story of their teenage years. But I always stop and pause. I'm like, it's actually really important because those are super formative yeah. to your 20s. Yeah. And there's, this is how formative this was. I distinctly remember at about 16 years old, um, there was four really cute, attractive girls that I thought I had a shot at dating. <laughs> and you know those pick stitch? Remember when pick stitch came out on the Oh, iPhone? yeah. I pick stitched them together. Oh, my God. And I had all four of like their, you know, profile pictures and headshots. And I just remember like the sense of validation <laughs> and power and like confidence of bread in me, mm. like as a young man. And that I could was land any of these girls. Right. Mm. And that was really addictive mm -hmm. and really, really powerful. Mm. And I just, I just so distinctly remember that moment of like, you know, that sense of like, I can feel like the man. If I can land, you know, this attractive girl, this girl that everyone thinks is so beautiful. Mm, and I can't that, believe you pig stitched them. That's funny. I know. And it's funny. but I'm telling you, that pattern and thought and lie, what that was like when it was planted. And that was probably one of the biggest lies and flaws of my foundation of relating to women and and intimacy and dating moving forward. It's more about landing the girl and making me feel like I am the man. Than it is I am about him. even pursuing the girl. Right. I am him. I am him. <laughs> so did you kiss girls and stuff like that? Yeah. Did I, you make out with girls? I Sorry. It, I, this is no, before dating. Great. I'm no, talking no, no. about when you were like, I'm not dating. Up until the age of 24, I probably would say, I think I kissed and made out with maybe four or five girls mm. like so and and i think that's pretty limited mm -hmm. you know i think at that age like post-college you know you think about college and all that it offers i actually just really drew a line for the majority of my college years um until i started kind of drinking and flirting like my senior year i really didn't mess with girls at all mm. But I still kind of had some of those flirtation sips or was always evaluating, yeah. you know, so, but I would Were say- Were you like in texting flirty conversations with girls? Yeah. You know, I call them um, heartstrings. Right. You know, it, just imagine like little like 
fishing lines being tied to your, your fingers like a ventriloquist. Yeah. But instead of it being tied to one puppet, it's tied to like multiple girls. Yeah. And I'd say I often on struggle with that idea mm. of just kind of tugging and nudging and tugging and nudging. You know, I would I would be in like these friendationships for months with girls. Yeah. Um, especially if they're a long distance, you know, it was kind of fun. You'd FaceTime each other, you'd text and send memes and there was no commitment involved. Yes. You I, know? I hear that. And yeah. like there's specifically one, like we off and on texted and flirted, you know, for probably about like two or three years. <gasps> really? Yeah. And wow. finally at the end of it, she... I'm not saying <gasps> like shaming you. No, I didn't no. know this. That's why. Man, I and I never... I never reached back out to her after, you know, probably the last time she was like, I cannot do this. Like you are either in or you're out. I cannot do this in mm. between. It's driving me, it's driving me crazy. And I think she really had some friends step up and say like, what's going on here? I and wonder I just, if she listens to the podcast. No. <laughs> She's but, like that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, uh, I like just remember like, you know, the thrill and the fun and the flirtation of having that kind of relationship or friendship with no commitment yeah and there was just such a huge wall in my mind between mm. like we were dating like i would call that now you were dating and basically in a relationship right but i was so scared to call something a relationship because in my mind that kind of meant marriage yeah wait i i have like a side question yes so at some point early in our dating life i asked you how many girls you kissed and I don't know if it was early in their dating life, sometime in our dating journey. And I remember you said like 30 or something. And you just said you <laughs> kissed five girls between 17 and 24. So did the 25 come after that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Once something happened in my sexual ethic, when I afforded myself the hall pass to make out, and it wasn't a big deal. Mm. And it's just kind of what everyone does. And it's just making out. Like I just distinctly remember, I think it might've been the first time where I made out with someone I didn't know. Mm. And something changed in that sense of, well, you know, it's just a make out. Mm. It's just, and that, I think that lie of it's just you know, X, Y, Z really bred, uh, just a breeding ground of, of sexual promiscuity and, and, and just going out and making out with whoever I connected with and flirted with and thought was attractive enough. And mm. as long as I didn't have sex or have oral sex or sleepover, I would really compare that sin or I would compare the, the sexual connection and of uh, making out to what I saw around me Yeah, as, oh, it's really not that bad. And I would say at, at that point, I wouldn't say I was buck wild. I just, you know, that sexual ethic, which I had just so previously guarded um, once that wall kind of fell, it just was like the new imbalance, right? You know that I was comfortable doing with really anybody. Yeah, thanks for admitting that. Yeah. So when you around twenty four, you started actually saying, "Okay, I'm going to date post college and stuff like that." Um, you felt more ready to date, but what did like accountability and intentionality look like for you when you actually were like saying I'm quote ready to date? Yeah. I mean, what a, what a 
dumb lie I believed. <laughs> like I, I, I you didn't I, listen like, to last week's episode, did yeah, you? <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm telling you guys, like when I say I was ready to date and I woke up with that feeling like I'm ready, I just was so not ready. Mm-hmm. I was ready in JJ's mind and that had no accountability. That had no counsel, that had no supervision. I didn't ask a single person, right? I didn't really have a friendship to ask like, hey, do you think I'm ready? I just, I don't know if you call it just such lack of humility, such lack of seriousness about the responsibility of dating. Yeah. Uh, so I went into dating, like literally just imagine like a little birdie chick uh, thinking that he can fly like the eagle <laughs> and just jumping off that's the cliff. That's a funny analogy. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it was like. Just like, <laughs> I got this. Like I got this. <laughs> Your little wings. Literally like, like a little immature you. chick, you know, that <laughs> thinks I'm going to glide and fly. And I probably thought the worst lie was I probably thought I was flying and gliding, like, you know, and this. being a, a great yeah. Christian man and an ambassador and dating well. So I think I think there are a lot of guys and I don't want to generalize. Uh, girls do this, too. But I do see as guy uh, there are men that are like, I don't need a lot of accountability or people into my life in my dating journey because I can do it on my own. So they date with maybe no intentionality, no true accountability. Um, why do you think that is? I mean, pride. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just pride. It's, it's pride, pride, pride. And this idea of I can do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And until we reach a massive heartbreak. That's where we see a lot of guys come to heart to do yeah. it through heartbreak. Or colossal failure. Right. Uh, like a crash and burn. Right. Or probably the last one is a girl who knows, you know, what she wants so badly and has such a, you know, instinct for, no, I will not date you unless you do these two or three things. And he's willing to kind of level yeah. up. What I say is, you know, guys have to just level up and it's either a broken heart a rock bottom colossal failure or a girl worth meeting, you know, who's worth leveling up for that he will level up. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be such a profound, deep heart moment for him or else it's just not going to happen. Like he's going to continue to just churn and churn and churn and and be in that rut until something changes. So how did that happen for you? I would say it was probably a combination of colossal failure. Um, I found myself in this kind of missional dating relationship. Um, was it a relationship? Because I thought I was your first relationship. I wouldn't like, well, you tell me. There was me, no definition you know, to it. No. Well, you tell me. Like, we dated for two weeks. COVID hit. I was gone for like three months. And then I came back and we continued dating for two weeks. And then after that, I was like, I can't do this. It's a, a dating-ish. Yeah. It's it, not a yeah, relationship. Yeah. 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 So it, it was kind of a weird circumstance. And, you know, to be honest, uh, you talk about on Wednesday's episode, like that journal entry, and I never thought about it until that moment, but I knew going into it Mm. that when it came down to her faith, it was not a faith that was equally yoked and just all out devotion, like cultivated life towards Jesus. Yeah. And I knew that's what I wanted to marry. And I knew that's what I wanted to be in relationship with. And I, I ignored that, you know, and I justified it with like, well, just give them a chance, you know, just see. 
and I, I knew like, and that's why I asked the question, you know, last week, um, how do you, how do you really know? Like if you're ready to date and mm-hmm. if, if they're worth dating, man, if you would have asked me, Hey, JJ, if you had to gamble your life on the fact on whether or not they are a Christian, I would have been like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I know. And I just think that's where we just play so many games. We justify and bend you know, and we give ourselves so many excuses and reasons to check it out and go with it and right. do with it. We do this with sin. Um, and that's exactly what I did to try and make it work mm-hmm. because I was physically attracted to her and, you know, she had a lot of awesome qualities, but I just think spiritually, man, um, I, I knew at the bottom of my heart and soul without highlighting and nudge of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I just ignored it. And after that, I was so distraught. Um, I, where I kind of found myself in my dating life, the physical boundaries that I crossed with her for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that was when I, you know, that's when I crossed the physical boundary, right. Of, of oral sex for the first mm-hmm. time, you know, I waited, you know, till all the way then. And, um, it, that just kind of broke me, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest, uh, coming out of that, I knew as soon as I got back in person with her, like this was not going to work. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad I cut it off when I did. And so I speak with so much compassion and sympathy when, when people find themselves in dating relationships that they know they shouldn't be in. Cause yeah. I've, I've been right there, especially after judging so many people for so long. Uh, why can't you just walk away? Why can't you just say no? Why would you ever date in a situation like this with a non-believer? Like, you know, it's not good for you. Yeah. And I, I can't speak on that subject with, anything other but compassion and mercy, because that's exactly what was extended to me. Mm, that That's a hard one. I mean, I talked a little bit about that too, like being guys, therapist or coach, and like, we're just not evenly yoked. But I do have a question for you. I really do have a question. And this is just, this is not like, I just, I think it's curious because I do find sometimes there are guys in the church that have these really high standards or think really high of themselves spiritually. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to how they're dating, crossing boundaries, being intentional, they're not like, it's not aligned. So they want something and they maybe even think there's something that they're not actually practicing when it comes to dating. Yes. Which it sounds a little bit like you were doing, like it's like a you know, not that you're a hypocrite, but no, I mean, uh, uh, something along those lines. I feel like I hear that a lot. Let's call a spade a spade. I was absolutely extremely hypocritical in so many ways Mm. in my dating life, more than any other area of my life. My dating life was the utmost hypocritical area when it came to compromising sexually, emotionally mm. where my <laughs> my act my my words my declarations in small group and my spiritual life was not aligning with my romantic yeah life at all yeah um and so because you were even not to interrupt you but i know this from your story that you were also ghosting girls too correct man i was I was ghosting girls. I was purposely dating outside the church, you know, the worst to avoid accountability, to right? avoid accountability. Yeah. Cause I knew, right. If I, if I made out with the girl, if I acted like a fool, which I was, there'd be consequences and people would find out. So I would find myself, you know, going uh, on dating apps, mm-hmm. matching with women that obviously we had no mutual friends on 
just so I could, you know, get the validation of the match and the date and whatever mm. and just make out with them one time. And then I would just never talk to them again. Mm. And that I just, man, I look back and I'm like, mm. I think, you know, John Mark Comer talks about, you know, shadow work and the sense of, you know, our ego and who we think we are. And then we have this shadow, which is who we actually are and how we're actually showing up. Mm. And we just have to have the ability to be honest about what our shadow actually looks like. Yeah. And two, and this is what I didn't do. I didn't let anybody in to see the shadow. Yeah. I didn't, I had great friends mm-hmm. that I'm still friends with today, but I never, I was so terrified to let them see the shadow to open up about who I was actually dating my struggle with porn that was on and off and masturbation. I just, I had such a hard time working up the courage to letting people see the shadow. And you were, was that also when you were leading a Bible study too? Yeah. I mean, at all points of these times, you know, 18 to 26, um, I, I had been leading small groups, Mm -hmm. you know, so it just, this kind of secret dating life, I had, which the crazy part and the reason why I'm so, um, impassioned to talk about this is because I wasn't the only one. Yeah. I like, I look around at my dating life and all these people around me in my small group. And it was just like, everyone was in a silo. Everyone was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and no one was saying this is wrong. Right. Like guys, like we claim to be Christians and yet our dating lives are not reflecting the life of a gospel changed life. It's not the meta. It's not the principle of leave them better than you found them. I was, I mean, I look, if there's one thing that I have to accept the most grace for, and I carried the most shame for is that the fact Mm. I call myself a Christian and I was an ambassador of Christ And some of these girls I went on dates with were not really Christians. And I'm so embarrassed and so Mm -hmm. pained that their only impression of a Christian man was me. Mm. And I am, uh, can only pray that, um, God finds another guy who, is stronger than me and better than me. Um, that would leave him a lot better than I found them. Mm. So, um, yeah, I just, when we talk about, there's no condemnation in Christ. I just, that is a soul punch to my heart that Mm -hmm. I just have to accept. And I just look back Mm -hmm. with so much regret uh, for my witness and for those women uh, that I just blew. I just, I blew it so badly. Mm -hmm. And uh, of all the things I regret in my dating life, I think that might be the most. I mean, I regret so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just so much responsibility <laughs> in dating that 
was way too big for my character. There's, there's so, and when you find yourself in situations in life where the responsibility at hand is greater than the character that you've cultivated in Christ, mm. you're going to massively fail and you're not going to just hurt yourself, but you're going to hurt everyone around you. Mm. So I think that's as far as like, you know, we talk about graveyards in the gardens. Um, I, I, when I talk about being unqualified to talk on heart of dating and how I show up and who I am, that's what I mean mm. in my flesh. JJ and how I operated was I just look back with so much um, sadness. Um, but, you know, and the things I was able to change and grow in and mm -hmm. cultivate, you know, Lazarus, I think about this all the time when Jesus mourned and he came up to his family and his friends and Lazarus was laying in the grave. What did Lazarus do? to participate in that miracle of being called alive and raised from the dead nothing. by Jesus. He did nothing mm. in the same way in my whole entire life, the character, who I am, mm. how I've grown in God, the why underneath my why, the raising from the dead and the growth, mm. that is all Jesus. Yeah. Even the decision to follow him, to grow in him, to be sustained and nurtured in him, it is all Jesus in my life. And so I'm going to live and die proclaiming that because it's all I can do. Mm -hmm. I, I was just so dead in so many ways and still am right. Like I think that's the biggest lie I believe that I've always believed is I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> right. I don't, yeah. I don't wrestle or struggle with that. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, and there is truth in that sanctification that has taken place, but there's also truth that I'm not fully sanctified yet. Mm. And I still deeply struggle with sin and, and issues and lies and challenges today. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing all that, honey. It was so brave. Yeah. I, and really, really encouraging and helpful, I think, for people listening, even to know like, that there's redemption, like we ended up together, not that our relationship is perfect, you know, or that we're perfect, but like there's redemption in the way we dated and our dating story did look a lot different than many of our past dating stories, still different things were not perfect in it, but like that, it looked way different yeah. than it did in many of our past relationships. I mean, I definitely did not deserve you. Things. You know, I definitely did not deserve you. And I think that is the gift of marriage is just being very, very clear that you've done nothing to earn the spouse that you will one day marry. Mm -hmm. And even they are a gift that, man, if I was judged according to how I actually dated and all my mistakes, I did, I did not deserve to marry anybody. Mm. You know, I, I literally did not deserve to marry anybody. Mm. And, and even those actions, just in my romantic life alone earned me right a place in hell and eternity with, mm. you know, knowing and that's what I deserve for just one of many heinous acts, right. Of my past. And I, and I don't mean that to shame myself. I just mean it of, you know, when I talk about that, uh, a price was paid. That's so valuable to me that literally impacted the way I dated moving forward. Yeah. You know? So as we close this man, is there anything last outstanding 
last outstanding things that you want to share? What's your last nugget of dating advice for the listeners today? (laughs) You know, I think one, I'd probably start out like, um, you know, I just by saying, oh, I don't date. I just, I left myself open to uh, so much unpreparedness. You know, I'd say like, if you're really going to do closed dating and you're really going to be single, like be a monk, (laughs) you know, be a monk. Mm. Like, don't leave any don't room. Don't toe the line you know, with we, we, flirt, yeah. flirting and blah, blah, blah. Like, listen, like we said on Wednesday, 99 is a, you know what? A hundred percent is easy. Mm-hmm. So if you're single, like be a hundred percent single. If you're in closed singleness. And yeah. I, I, I did myself and the people around me no favors by leaving that door slightly creaked open. Right. right? Yeah. And then two, I would say, you know, when you have that moment, when you're ready to get back in dating, just have those boundaries, convictions, why you're going out to date. I think the why is so big. Have those cemented in stone. Like my why was so loosey-goosey of, yeah, I want to get married, you know, and I just was so vastly because I would say, especially as a man, if you want to go out and date, it is a tremendous responsibility. Yeah. And if you are not mature in your character, right, and how you treat women and how you leave them better than you found them, I beg you, please do not date. Yeah. Please do not. Like, even if it's not just for yourself, on behalf of every future woman you're going to meet, I beg you, please don't date. Because I did. And it was devastating. Yeah. It was it was a havoc and chaos. And, um, and there is all the grace in the world if you have done that. But I would just say, you know, if you're a guy listening and you find yourself in that position, just please do not date. Uh, and when you do, don't do it alone, man. Don't be as prideful and as arrogant as me thinking that you could go James Bond, lone wolf and date and do it well. Cause you can't. And, mm-hmm. um, just do it with people, not just friends who are close to you, do it with mentors people are just so much smarter and wiser than you who can call you out on your BS. Um, you know, so just working up the courage, I get it, work up the courage to invite those people in Mm because they're, man, they're not going to invite themselves into your life. They're not going to have a word from the Holy spirit and how, I mean, they might, but they're not going to hound you down. They're not going to show up in your living room and say, I know what you did last weekend. You want to talk about it. Yeah. You know, be, be, be ruthless about, you got to seek it out. Yeah. Seeking it out. And like, you need it. It, You don't have to be the most catastrophic dater in the world to still need it. You don't have to make all the mistakes that you made to need it. Like you need it, like no matter where you are in the dating process. Yeah. Or like where, what your history is. Yeah. I I think it's just humility to just say, um, I can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. That's why it says, you know, I just, it's so funny. You know, one of, I love this verse and I just heard this meaning and interpretation the other day. It's first Peter five six through eight, which is humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like the roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
And the funniest part is we only look at verse seven, right? Cast your anxieties, mm. cast your anxiety. Why does it say in humility, like humble yourselves at the beginning? And why does it end on temptation and the devil? Because it's out of humility to acknowledge, I can't handle this. Yeah, that's right. I can't handle the responsibility of dating well and leaving every woman better than I found them. Right. I can't uphold physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, spiritual boundaries. I can't choose and decipher and discern who I should date and who I... Hey, in humility, say this is way too tall of a task for you to handle mm. and cast that on God saying, I am yeah. helpless to do this without you mm. because there is a devil and he is out every second of the day prowling like a yeah. roaring lion who's yeah. trying to take me down. And I'm a helpless little lamb in the field that is just bait <laughs> for him mm. unless I have a protector, unless I have a shepherd, unless I have a guide. Yeah. So good. So JJ, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah. It's so good to have you as a guest. <laughs> thank you for coming on the main notes. No, thank you for sharing your heart, honey. It yeah. was beautiful. And I think so encouraging yeah. for people to hear. And I'm so proud of yeah, you. Yeah. I, I hope there's a guy who hears this and says, man, I, I'm in this position and I don't want to be anymore. Yeah. And all you have to do, it's so easy. Mm. All you have to do is send it to a friend and say, let's talk. I love that. Send it to a friend. Let's talk. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Bye.